Thank you for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. As a Christ-centered community, our mission is to create space for all people to experience the compassionate love of the Father and the calling He has for their life. Please enjoy the message today recorded live inside the Wilson Arts Auditorium at Platte County High School in Platte City, Missouri. So we started out this Advent season, we started with hope. Last week we talked about love, and today it is peace. So the Hebrew word for peace, and a lot of you have heard this word before, is the word shalom. We speak shalom over someone is to, is to speak peace, but it's also to speak completeness or, or wholeness. That's what you're wishing for someone when you speak peace over them. The Greek word is arene. So it means the same thing. It's just different. It's a different language. And it's the same, same meaning. It's to establish, um, not perfection, I would say, but just a sense of everything being unified and being made together. And so we're going to look at this question today. So I want to ask you a question. What was the question for last week? What was it? Come on. Who are you rooting for? Yeah, my wife should know the answer to the question. Pastor's wife should know the answer to the question. Who are you rooting for? Who do you love? Who are you cheering on? Who are you there to support? We're, we're, we're cheering on the Father. We're rooting for Him. We're rooting for Jesus uh, working in our life. And we're rooting for those that are hurting, those that, are, that we come in contact with, those we can show love and practical ways to. So this week's question is a little bit different because we started out with, with um, what I can't even remember. See, I can't even remember the first question. What are you waiting for? Yeah, what are you waiting for, Brady? Why can't you remember that? Uh, who are you rooting for today is where are you going? Where are you going? So obviously there's a lot of uh, potential answers to that question. I want you to think about that right now. Where are you going? So you might say, well, Brady, I'm going to lunch. Anybody else going to lunch after you leave here? We're all going to eat. All right, only like five of you. What are you, the rest of you going to do? You're going home, right? You're going to go home. How many are you going to go to the grocery store after you leave here today? Yeah, a couple. We'll see you there. Might see you there. That's usually a reunion after church. We all see everybody at the grocery store. We're very, um, we're very uh, disconnected uh, Sunday morning at 11, but at 12 at the grocery store, we're all unified there together in line. Uh, we're, how many are you going to go take a nap? Yeah, amen. How many of you are going to your couch to watch football? Woohoo, yeah. How many of you are going to spend time with your family and friends? Yeah, woo, while you're watching football. And eating or spending time with family and friends at the grocery store. How many of you are going to heaven when you die? Woo, yeah, you should be more excited about that than anything. Where are you going? So you might ask that question. Hey, so Dave, where are you going when you die? And you're like, man, I hope, I hope I'm going to heaven. Well, hope, you don't want to hope that you're going to heaven. You can know that you're going to heaven when you die through faith in Jesus Christ. So here's the idea of where are you going. Here's how this came about. So the other night, I was, here's where I was going. The other night, I was driving down to my son's apartment. Because my son called me, uh, Dad. He's like, I always know, like, Dad, Dad, what are you doing? Like, I don't, I'm, I'm, not, I'm probably sure he's not asking me to go hang out, you know, because it's not cool to hang out with your old man, you know. But he's like, uh, Dad, I've got a little problem. Uh, I left my wallet in my apartment, which has my card, his little key card for his apartment. And he knows, he knows I have an extra one. So guess where I was going right after that conversation? I was going down to... Rescue my son. Now, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, there was a peace in my heart knowing that my son was at a prayer meeting 
And that's why he had left to go to the prayer meeting unless he was not. You were telling me the truth, right? You were at a prayer meeting, right? So I was just like, there was a little bit of peace. I'm more willing to go help my son out. He was at a prayer meeting. So I, I'm going to go. And I'm going to go let him into his apartment. And, and so while I was driving, I just, I just thought to myself, you know, I can be pretty distracted sometimes, a lot of times. It's just my personality is that way, I guess. And so I decided that I was just going to turn the radio off, and I was just going to pray. I can't even tell you the peace that came over me when my car went silent and I just started to pray. I was like, it's, it's a simple thing. It's not really that. It wasn't a big deal. It was just a simple act of saying, you know what, I'm just, I'm just going to put my focus on the Lord right now. I'm going to pray. I'm going to just ask his presence to come. I'm going to pray for my friends. I'm going to pray for the people that I know in my life, the people that God brings to my mind. And then as I was driving, I, this, I was struck with this thought. I remember a time in my life when the direction that I was going was not towards the Lord. Matter of fact, there was a time in my life when I was actually probably driving the exact opposite direction about as fast as I could possibly go. And I remember thinking to myself, I remember thinking that those things that I was pursuing at that particular time, I really thought would bring wholeness to my life. I thought they would make my life complete. They would make my life make sense. And they, were, and they did for a short period of time. But then after I experienced those things, they actually brought the complete opposite in my life. Instead of peace, those things brought pain. That was all going through my head on this short little drive to take this thing to my son. And so at that particular time, at least in some way, I brought peace to Powell by taking care of his problem. And I hid his little the card underneath. I, point, I took a picture of my finger, pointed to where it was, where it was hidden. And he, I think that had to bring peace to Powell, knowing he could get back into his apartment when he got home, right? Did that make you feel a little bit more complete? You're, a little, you're kind of fractured when, when that stuff like that's going on in your life. And I just all that stuff was running around in my head. And, you know, and it was just good to turn the radio off because, you know what? Everyone already knows I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. I mean, you know that, right? Yeah, only a hippopotamus will do. I mean, seriously. And last Christmas, I gave you my heart, and then the very next day, you gave it away. So what's the point? Tired of that song. They play those songs all the time. There's got to be some new Christmas music. Where's Justin Bieber when you need him? So I thought, I would just pray. <laughs> I'm going to find some peace. And so I just thought to myself, we... We are created to purposely, passionately pursue the Prince of Peace. And that's why God created us, really. I mean, that's why he put breath in our lungs to pursue him. We are purposely and passionately to pursue things that bring peace to our lives, not pain. I want you to take a look at this passage of Scripture Look in the book of Ecclesiastes, all right? Ecclesiastes, because I was thinking about in Scripture about who, who was it that was, were pursuing all the things that the world had to offer to bring their life wholeness and, and make their life complete. 
And so like you might just see, like over here um, in, this, in this wall that I built, there's something missing. Something missing. And so look, listen, to, listen to this passage of description, Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Solomon wrote these words, very wise man. And I believe that at that particular time, Solomon was pursuing all the things that the world had to offer to bring his life meaning and purpose. So he says this, the subtitle in this passage of Scripture, the first uh, three verses, is the emptiness of pleasure. I said to myself, go ahead, I will test you with pleasure. Like he's having this conversation with himself. Okay, Solomon, I'm going to test you with pleasure. But it turned out to be futile. I said about laughter, it is madness, and about pleasure, what does this accomplish? I explored with my mind the pull of wine on my body. My mind's still guiding me with wisdom. I, I think it was like, he's, he's not going to drink to excess, but he was going to see, would this do it? And you know, there's a, there's a passage in Scripture in Psalm 104, verse 15, for some of you that enjoy wine, you're thinking, oh no, Brady's going to start railing about alcohol. No, no, listen what it says in Psalm 104, 15. It says, wine that makes the human heart glad. I don't think he's saying that you should not drink wine, but he's saying that you should not drink so, mind where you're, so much that your mind is not able to function the right way. He's saying, my mind's still guiding me with wisdom and how, it says, to grasp a hold of folly until I can see what is good for people to do under heaven during the few days of their lives. The emptiness of pleasure. And so we may think, well, it's pleasure that will fill the emptiness in my life. And then he went on to say, and the subtitle for the next verses after this says, The Emptiness of Possessions. He says, I increased my achievements. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made gardens and parks for myself and planted every kind of fruit tree in them. I constructed reservoirs for myself from which to irrigate a grove of flourishing trees. I acquired male and female servants and had slaves who were born in my house. I also owned livestock, large herds and flocks. More than all who were before me in Jerusalem. I also amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I gathered male and female singers for myself and many concubines. The delights of men. All the things that a man would desire. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. My wisdom also remained with me. All that my eyes desires, I did not deny them. I did not refuse myself any pleasure, for I took pleasure in all of my struggles, too. This was my reward for all my, all my struggles. He figured, you know what? I earned this. I deserve these things. Because I've struggled and have many issues in my life. So these things were good. And when I considered all that I had accomplished, it says, and what I had labored to achieve, I found everything to be futile in a pursuit of the wind. There was nothing to be gained under the sun. If you look to the end of Ecclesiastes, the, the, the conclusion is this. Fear God, keep his commands. This is for all humanity. And so you think, well, my, maybe it's pleasure. Or maybe I'll just add possessions to my pleasure. And, and surely that will be enough. And it turns out it's still not enough to complete our lives, to help us to find the peace 
So let me ask you this question. Where are you going? Where are you going? Are you pursuing these things? It's not that these things in themselves are bad, but pursuing these things over the one who can bring you peace is where the issue becomes. And we have to make sure that our priorities are right in this particular area, especially this time of year. We can, really, we can get really off track if we're not careful. I know we're in church, and it sounds like a really churchy thing to say, but I'm just telling you, you got to be careful in this particular area. If we think these things will, will make it all right, it'll fill in the emptiness in our life, if I just have more of these things. But the thing is, the thing that we're missing the most, all human beings, is a relationship with God. And the only thing, and you know what's coming, the only thing that really can fill in these blank, this blank in our life, is Jesus. Jesus, the Prince of Peace. The one who brings ultimate fulfillment in our life. It is, here's here's a crazy thing. I've enjoyed... More of both of these things as a result of following Jesus. And, and when I follow Jesus and these things are a part of my life, uh, I find peace in those things. Because those things don't own me. <laughs> Jesus owns me. Now it doesn't mean that I, I can, it can be pretty easy to get off track if I'm not careful. But Jesus is the one who can restore. As a matter of fact, that's what, he, that's what he's talking about when he says, I am the Prince of Peace. Listen to this, this, uh, this passage of Scripture that comes out of Isaiah 53, verse 5. But Jesus was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. We are made whole by Jesus. Colossians 1, 19-20 says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus, and through Jesus to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. On Wednesday night, we talked to the teenagers. We shared with them the basic gospel message, the good news of Jesus. And we used this illustration about what it looks like to be separated from God, where there's still this emptiness in our life. And the only one that can fill in the blank is Jesus, who reconciles man and God together again, the way we're created to be in the beginning. Jesus made peace between God and man. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. I, I just felt like this morning when I got up, I, I sometimes will wrestle all night long, Brady. You know this feeling, man, just all night long. Man, is there, is there anything I'm missing? Is there something else that needs to be shared? Is there something else that can fill in the, the, the gaps here in the sermon? And so, so Ephesians chapter 2, let's look at verse, let's look at verse number 11. Verse number 11. And so Paul, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus and he's just, he's just reminding them again where 
our wholeness comes from, where our unity comes from, and where peace comes from, and it is in Jesus. And listen to these words. This is powerful, powerful verses from 11 down to 22, right? Just, has everybody got it? If, if you still, anybody still looking for it? Make sure you find it if you have. Bring your Bible to church if you have one. Because you want to be able to mark it up. You want to write, like I wrote at the top of this section, peace, 12, 15, 19. And the subtitle is Unity in Christ. So Paul says, so then, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh. You were called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised. So you were, like if we weren't Jewish heritage, we were Gentiles, we were called the uncircumcised. But the circumcision, is, which is done in the flesh by human hands, at that time it says you were without Christ, excluded from citizenship of Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. Listen, that's who we were without Jesus. Without hope, without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In his flesh he made of no effect the law, consisting of commands and expressed in regulations, so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace, in completeness, in wholeness, the two being being brought to one. It's a very powerful picture. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body, through the cross, by which he put the hostility to death. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away, you know, that was us, and peace to those who were near, that was the Jewish people of the day. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. That's who we are, people. Isn't that credible? That's an incredible thought. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. That is his desire. When he makes you whole, when you get this part right, you become the dwelling of God on the earth. That's incredible, isn't it? Like, that gives your life meaning and purpose. It should. You're like, you know what? All these other things don't even really matter. If God takes them all away, it doesn't matter. Because he is in me. He makes me whole. And it's okay. It's worth it. During Jesus' ministry on earth, I love this, he not only reconciled us vertically, To the Father, and we talk about that a lot here, the vertical relationship with God. He restored the lives of people that he came in contact with horizontally. Do you know his first miracle? His first miracle that was recorded, actually, you know what? The first miracle was the virgin birth. I mean, that's a pretty cool miracle, by the way. Like, that's only only God can make that happen. But his first miracle on earth was turning water into wine. Here we go with the wine thing again. All right, you're like, okay, now we're talking. Because Jesus turned water into wine. (laughs) 
you may think, well, that's not really that big of a deal. But you know what? If you're the one hosting that party in that culture and you have all those people gathered and you run out of something that is so significant like that, you all of a sudden feel very fractured and broken. And you lose peace. It's like Powell getting locked out of his apartment. <laughs> There's something missing. And Jesus fixed what was broken. And Jesus fixes what is broken in your life. No matter how old you are, how young you are, Jesus fixes what is broken in your life. And he did that with everyone he came in contact with. A man possessed by a demon. Can you imagine how fragmented his life was? How broken he was? Completely cut off from all of his friends and his family and all of his community. Not welcomed anywhere that he goes. Because everybody's like, that's that guy. That's the guy. You've heard about that guy, right? They didn't even have social media back then and the word got out. Don't have anything to do with that guy. Those that were blind, those that were suffering with all these different diseases. Some were very public diseases where people could see the disease on the outside and people were, said, you're unclean, you must go away. Do you know that there are people that I know that attend this church that they feel like they're so unclean that they're not welcome here? Is that, can you imagine that? And you, and you might, you, yeah, but you, you might be thinking to yourself, you know what, I feel that way sometimes. Man, if they only knew, gosh darn, if they only knew. Can I be honest with you as your pastor? I want to know. You're not going to surprise me. You're not going to shock me. You're not going to, you, you can't sin so much that I don't love you anymore. And if that's true about me, and you know that's true about God, his arm is not too short to save anyone. No matter where it is that you've been, what it is that you've done. There are people that are in this community today that the weather maybe was their excuse today, but their excuse next week will be, I'm just too unclean and I'm not welcome there. Jesus fixes what is broken. So where are you going? Where are you going today? Are you purposely and passionately pursuing Jesus? You know the answer to that question. Are you purposely and passionately pursuing those who are broken? You know the answer to that question. It can get messy. It can get really messy when you do that. But we are called to be peace on earth. We are called to bring peace and wholeness here on earth. Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. If you want to identify yourself with your Father in heaven, then be a maker of peace here on earth. Now, a little caveat for you. So last week, I had a conversation with this really precious young woman who talked about the toxic relationships in her, home, in her family. As a matter of fact, she's very disconnected from her birth parents. And they harm, they just, they're harmful. They're, they're verbally abusive to her. And she's like, do you think God will still love me if I, have, if I set boundaries and have nothing to do with them right now? Oh, absolutely. I'm not saying be a doormat for people. 
to walk all over you. That's not what God calls us to do. Matter of fact, in Scripture, Jesus would say, if you go to a place and there's no peace in that place, shake the dust off your feet and move on. You know, go find another place where where your peace will be welcome there. Doesn't mean be mean and be hateful and angry like the rest of the world. You can still love them. Doesn't mean you have to let them hurt you. Can you, do you hear what I'm saying? Know the difference between those two things. And if you're not sure about the boundaries, come and talk to us. And we'll, we'll, talk, we'll share with you about what that looks like. I'm the first person. Brady and I, we'll run right into the fire. We're like first responders. You know, first responders run to the danger. They bring peace to the places that are hurting. Like soldiers go to the fight. They don't want the way to the fight to come to them. They go to the fight. But you have to be capable to be prepared for that. Like, just, like, make sure you have the right equipment, all right? Make sure you're ready for that. Because you're, you're going to take some shrapnel. You're going to get hit. That's just the way it's going to be. But you know that Jesus left heaven and walked right into the fire. Right into earth. And then he went to the cross. And then he conquered death. <laughs> and he's calling us to be agents of peace here on earth. Where are you going? Are you running away from it? Oh, I don't want anything to do with that. That's just too much drama, whatever. But Jesus lives in you. He needs you to be there because there's people who are broken and they need him. And you might be the very people that talk, able to reach them with the gospel. We talked about that on Wednesday night. We talked about our feet being shod with the gospel of peace. Like you have to have your, your footwear on. You have to have, like I know, uh, Nate, where are you at? Nate is a soldier and they, they have special... Uh, you have to wear the right shoes, the right boots for the right territory, terrain or whatever, right? And so you have to have your feet ready to go forth with the gospel. First of all, you have to know what the gospel is. You have to know it. You have to be able to breathe it and teach it and live it out. And you, you know what? It just starts with your story. Share your story. Listen to their story and then share God's story about the Prince of Peace who came to give us life, to make our life whole. Like I'm just giving you I'm just giving you. Uh, Um, ammunition, if you will, (laughs) to go into the fight. We are the carriers of the gospel. Literally, it says that we are ambassadors of the gospel. We are ambassadors of peace, and we've been given a ministry of reconciliation. Like he has placed it, if you're a follower of Jesus, he's placed the ministry of reconciliation to the world on your shoulders. And it's the responsibility of the church Not just me. It's the responsibility of the church to take that message wherever we go. Woo. Brady. That's a lot. But you know what? Remember I talked about that feeling of peace that came over me? When I start pursuing Jesus in the right way and I start living my life for him in such a way that other people start seeing it, I feel so much joy and so much peace in those moments a lot more than anything else this world has ever offered me. Ever. One final thought. So that passage in Ephesians that started in verse 11, look one verse up. This is giving you your marching orders today. This is going to help you determine where you're going to go when you leave this place. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time 
for us to do. Do you know that he has people that he's going to put in your path? He has tasks for you to accomplish. And he's given you gifts to be able to accomplish those tasks. For you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do these things that he's prepared for you to do. I believe in all my heart that God prepared me for this. What has he prepared you for? Where are you going to go when you leave this place? Well, you're going to go to places that I can't go to. I talked to the students about this. I talked I talk about Cameron. I talked about Cameron on Wednesday night. I said, Cameron is going to be able to take the gospel to people I will never get to see. And so he's, he has given him the ministry of reconciliation for his peer group. His dad flies all over the world. He goes to places... I will never get to go unless he invites me to go with him, which could happen anytime because he loves me. Right? <laughs> right? Um, yeah, but he's going to go places I can't go. Do you hear what I'm saying? Every single one of you, if you're here today and you've cried out to the Prince of Peace to make your life whole again, he's given you that same responsibility. The church is to equip believers for the work of the ministry. That's what we're trying to accomplish every time we gather together is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. All right, Trish, I want you to do me a favor. Go, all right, so look at the lights. I get all my family to turn the lights off. We need, I need a switch from here. That would be great, like a remote control or something. All right, see, it's on the third one right now. We'll go to, back to that one here in just a minute. But I want, want, to, I want to turn off, the, hit the bottom one now. Here's what I want you to do. It's beautiful in here, isn't it? Hopefully it brings you some peace. I want you to take a big, deep breath in through your nose. Let it out slowly. And I want you to ask the Lord, who in my life needs the gospel of peace? Let him bring someone to your mind. Holy Spirit, would you Empower us to take the good news of this Prince of Peace who left heaven and came to earth. Would you empower us to take that same good news to the person you just put on my mind? Jesus literally gave himself to be hung on a tree. None of us will experience that kind of persecution when we go to have this conversation. It might not be easy, might be uncomfortable, but it's worth it. It's what he's created us to do. He's prepared you in advance for this task. Until every seat is full, 
In this auditorium, there is work to be done. Let us be bold. Let us not be afraid. Bring about your perfect peace in our imperfect imperfect lives, Lord. Bring about your perfect peace. We thank you. We love you. And if anyone's here today, Lord, that needs Jesus, all they have to do is confess with their mouth that Jesus, you are Lord. God, that you raised Jesus from the dead. They must believe this in their heart. The Bible says when we do, we'll be saved. And our life won't be fragmented anymore. We'll have perfect peace in you. So we thank you for the gift of Christ this season. Of course, we thank you for the gift of Christ every day of our lives. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. We hope it leaves you encouraged. If you need more information about the church or want to speak to someone about prayer or faith in Jesus, please visit our website, thecallingcommunitychurch.com, and fill out the contact form. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a blessed day.